Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 4, Chapter 10. This show is sponsored by Brody's Balloons, and today you're going to enjoy the phenomenal David Mahoney. If you think about Dico, you think immediately about David Mahoney, and he is the Dico boss. So you will enjoy this interview a lot. I'm really excited about announcing the exact dates of the launch of my clowning and comedy course at the end of the interview. So stick around and see you at the other end. Here is David Mahoney. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is yet another Float episode. And today, in Float 17, I have the privilege of interviewing David Mahoney. If you're not familiar with David Mahoney's work, then I just don't want to be your friend on Facebook, because you probably just don't do anything there. Uh, David is an amazing business owner, and as a balloon artist, he's able to create systems for an entire team in his work and he is well known for his business to be big. Uh, David Mahoney, how are you? Hello. I'm good, good. Thanks for having me here. It's really a pleasure to have you. I'm dying to pick your brain and ask you so many questions. So let's start in the beginning because um, some people are not familiar with the story and with uh, how your business name meant uh, so much for your life. So let's start all over in the beginning if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit about your business. Well, I started 19 years ago when my son was born. I wanted to be around my family more often, and I went to a small conference where me and my wife uh, saw a balloon artist, and we came home, and we thought that it would be a great idea to do it. Uh, so I went in that following Monday and quit my job and jumped in with both feet to do balloons, which wasn't a really smart idea because I didn't have any money in the bank or really any idea of how to tie a balloon even at that point and I didn't have a, a plan but I loved balloons I loved the concept um, 19 years later I have a shop of 14 people and we did about 4,000 jobs last year 4,000 jobs so this is like uh, if you do the math it's a lot you are actually looking at the the business of side of things and you don't actually do the job by yourself is that correct yeah i haven't in probably at least the last year blown a balloon and i rarely show up on a job site anymore left unless it's a major client or a big install where we're doing something more unique um, that the crew may not have that much experience with so i go on those jobs but mostly i spend my time in the shop just keeping everybody running and the vans going and the jobs that make sure they that they stay up to the standard we look for so tell us a little bit about how you got to this level of service that you serve so many customers can you pinpoint some of the things that you did right along the way to reach that size well i think and this is gonna it's not gonna sound right it's not the things i did right i think that got me to the spot i'm at other than quality service great products and taking care of my customers it was going in every day 
going through mistakes and and making um, difficult choices and realizing that the certain things just didn't work. Um, it's more the mistakes we learn from than the successes. So can you give us an example of a mistake like that? I think a lot of times when it comes to an artist, we spend time waiting for the phone to ring versus um, going out every day and just handing out cards, just saying your name and telling people who you are. I think so many wait for people to understand what balloons are, and most of the world doesn't understand what incredible stuff we can do. But once you show them your card and explain what you do, they see it and they love it. Why did you choose the name uh, Balloons Every Day for your company? Well, honestly, the name was uh, our second company name. I think another thing balloon artists don't realize is that not everybody sees balloons the same way we do. Our original name was Ballooming Bouquets. I did a lot of bouquet deliveries. But the funny thing was is nobody could spell it, so nobody could find us. So then at that time, um, my wife, she came up with the name Balloons Every Day, which was great because it explains what we do. I remember the first, we do balloons every single day, actually. But I remember the first weekend I picked a job up on Sunday, which is family day. And I went into the house. And I said, hey, I have a job this Sunday. And uh, my wife said, you know, that's family day. We, we'd spend time as a family. I said, but you name the company Balloons Every Day. And she said, well, yeah, every day except for Sunday. I said, that won't fit in the Yellow Page book. And that was like at a time that the Yellow book, Yellow Page book would actually be an okay marketing, I guess. It was a great marketing tool back at the time. That's where everybody looked. There was no Internet and Google and stuff like that. People still went into their closet, pulled out the phone book, and looked up whatever service they needed. So, yeah. You get so much customers. Are those uh, private customers for private events mostly or, or most of it co is corporate? Can you like share with us that? Our company is a blend of all of it. I've seen too many friends in this industry tailored towards one side of the industry, whether it's corporate or personal. And I've always found as the economy changed or things happen, they lose one big corporate account, they go out of business, the you know, or they get hurt and they can't service those daily birthdays and stuff like that, that that was a problem for me. So we blend it and try to balance it out to where we're not uh, connected with just one type of clientele. It allows us to go through the entire year and not miss any days because when corporates slow down at the end, we get a lot more personal parties. When we have times of the year like holidays and stuff like that where the personal business is and we don't have the corporate business, it balances it all out. Do you have any idea about when is a good right to start hiring employees? I've always been a firm believer when it comes to anything in your business, you try to be proactive and hire it before you hire an employee before you need it or get a van before you need it. Because I believe when you hire an employee, it's going to drive you to go and go out and find the business to cover their paychecks and cover the payroll. If you buy a van, you're going to want that vehicle and you're going to fill it up sooner than not. You'll find all of a sudden how, how many opportunities you wish you had a bigger vehicle that maybe slowed you down from taking on bigger jobs and stuff 
stuff like that. So I think when you start to see that beginning of that edge is the time to start looking, because especially when it comes to employees, not everybody can pick up a balloon and just tie it perfectly right away. It, in my shop, it takes us about two months to teach an employee how to get ready and do this processes of how we do balloons. So before I hit my busy months of the year, which are like October and May, we start hiring people about two months in advance so they're ready so when we're busy. And when you say ready, it means they are you know, capable of doing stuff. Uh, are they efficient uh, even before those two months are over for your business? We have, a, we have a training program where we start them down on the fundamentals, how to make sandwiches, how to make weights. Being that we go through uh, close to probably 300 sand weights a month, You know, they spend a lot of time doing sandwiches when they first start. We make all our own bases, which I think a lot of people have seen that recipe. Uh, we go through a couple hundred bases, so they do those processes. We teach them the basics, and then we slowly progress them into other things. Early on, within the first week or two, they're able to blow and tie balloons, but we don't typically have them packing frame and building stuff because they just that's still another technique that takes them another couple weeks to get to. Uh, most of our crew, when we tie balloons, we try to teach them Um, between you know 250 to 400 balloons helium on string an hour and then we try to get them up to about 800 duplets an hour on columns and arches so um, when you're training an employee do you ever have uh, this um, concern that uh, they will um, decide to leave you and even to compete with you I think the numbers tell us with the populations of most of the world that there's plenty of business to be had by anybody. I think also we have to remember as business owners, we are a unique breed of human being. We Not everybody wants to be self-employed. They don't want the headaches of insurance, payroll, scheduling, marketing, sales. So I think most people honestly want to just be employees. There have been some employees that have left me and started their own companies, but that's no different than somebody else that just... pops up in our market and typically undersells. So normally my experience so far is they typically last only a year or two and then they're gone. And uh, you're okay with it basically? Correct, yeah. These days, how much of your time is invested in uh, marketing and sales? Everything we do is marketing. Customer service is our biggest form of marketing because if we have a happy customer, they're going to tell their friends about us and stuff like that. So for us, if, you, if I had to say a number how much is spent on marketing, I would say 100% because it's the most important thing we can do is make sure a customer is happy. So let, let, let me rephrase that. How much of your time is spent on marketing to create new customers and not existing customers that, are, that will talk about you? I think the same thing holds true. Like when we make deliveries, we hand out cards. When we're in elevators, when we're walking down hallways, when my crews do outside inst installations, we put out signage, we go around and hang out door hangers. So again, we still do it all the time. What do you think about online marketing and using Google and Facebook for, for your advantage? Do you invest in those types of marketing? I build most of my online business organically. I haven't paid for AdWords and stuff like that. Again, I think the Most people, and especially me when I started, I didn't have any money and I didn't have a lot of resources. So I had time. And so I would spend time getting my 
uh, website to be in the top tier of the Google, the front page of Google. Um, I don't overly worry too much about these conversations, and I know this is opposite than what a lot of people think, but the truth of it is I believe, and I'm an advocate, that a lot of people in our world don't understand balloons and don't understand the, the impact balloons can have. So I can be number one on a Google page for balloons, but how many people are honestly searching for balloons? Now, with the advent of, of websites like Pinterest and stuff like that, Snapchat, we start seeing uh, where balloons are now trending but I'm already top on our page in our area for Google. So I think um, you ha you have to do what you can do and what you can afford to do. If you were able to meet yourself like five years ago, ten years ago, uh, and uh, tell yourself some three tips about how to shape your future into a better place, what would you share with yourself? I think if I knew myself um, towards the beginning and even 10 years ago, I would say trust in myself. I know that I have the ability to go out and work every day. I, I'm blessed in that sense that I know I can go and say hi and introduce myself to people. So trust in myself that I will do what I need to do to cover what I need to cover. Two, trust in the industry. The number tells us, the numbers tell us there's enough people across the world and everybody has celebrations. It doesn't matter what country you go to or what place, everybody celebrates monumental birthdays, uh, weddings, of special events, and stuff like that. And balloons go naturally with almost any of those celebratory events. And two, trust that, you know, I'm a firm believer that God wants me to be happy, wants me to succeed, so I trust in His path that He's going to take care of me too. Let's talk a little bit about your work in the shop. You've created all kinds of systems of how to build bases and how to be efficient because you don't reach those numbers with, with the amount of balloons that you tie or with the amount of customers that you do uh, by accident. You've, you've employed a lot of thinking about that. Why is it that you keep looking for solutions that are your own? Do you have any, anything to share about that? I think we all have to find what works for us. And for me, profit is the number one thing to always pay attention to. Um, so many people say, should I do a job for free to get exposure? And my conversation always is no. You should always get something for it. Um, some of the processes that we've always created help us be more efficient, allows us to be more independent. I'm not reliant upon, when it comes to like bases, I'm not reliant upon my distributor being open for me to get enough bases when I pick up a big job. I can just make our own bases and then have them ready at hand and use them. And they're really inexpensive. I think the processes we put in place, there was a time I got really ill and almost died. I try to remember those things that I built my company for the legacy of the ones I care about, my family and, and friends. Um, I take care of a lot of people, my employees. If something happens to me, I want my shop to keep running. The tragedy is, is in our industry, we see so many people get injured or fall upon illness and they lose everything. And I don't want that to ever be a conversation in my life. I want to be able to be taken care of. I want to retire. I don't want I want to enjoy the beauty of balloons every day that I live, but I don't want to have to blow balloons every day. Tell us a little bit about what did you teach here in Float. 
Um, and Float, 2017, I was blessed. And I love Float because they allow me to teach what touch upon my heart. Um, I taught um, 3D subframing, which is a, a technique I think we don't see as much because the trending of deco twisting and linking balloons and stuff like that. So we explained to people how to create large sculptures with frame. Um, we showed introduced a new product called the PVC Bendit, which allows to heat up in a, a 10 foot stick of PVC. And then it makes it within a minute and a half, it makes it really pliable and malleable to where you can shape it into whatever shape you want. Um, and then about two minutes later, it's cool enough. And when it cools, it rehardens. So that was an exciting class that I got to share a technique that I grew up when I started in the industry, seeing so many artists do that we've kind of gotten away from. And then I also, the, my second class was on marketing and sales and explaining to people the difference of how we see sales and how we see marketing. And, and, and how we trust in the numbers. Again, I live in Dallas. Um, in the Dallas Metroplex, there's about 7 million people, which allows us the opportunity, even at 4,000 jobs, if I double what I did this year, next year, that's only 8,000, which is not even 1%. So the numbers are there for us all if we just pay attention to them. So this allows you to think big in terms of playing with big numbers because once you know that your marketing is seen by enough people, eventually your those people will have those events and they will remember you. So you're not afraid of failure 99% of the time. The population is big enough to give you enough gigs as, the, as it is. Correct. And we live in a time that's better than I think any other time. When you look at um, where our societies have come and where technology has taken us, when you look at it and people, you know, people will research parties and they'll Google, you know, birthday parties, special ideas, stuff like that. They do a lot of research. So I know statistically speaking, um, because they've, they've done studies on this, by the time somebody's calling somebody, they're 60, 65% already committed to what they're doing. And they're calling the company they feel confident in using. They're not calling companies they don't know because they already know you because they get to know you through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, your website. They see your quality work. So I tell the girls when the answer our phones. We have three girls in the office that answer phones. Almost always when someone's calling, they're just ready to place an order. So we feel confident when they're calling, unless we've done something wrong, they're going to place an order. And I think in my shop, I think the girls have about a 90, 90% close rate of anybody that's looking to buy balloons. Now, in a day's time, they may get a hundred phone calls and a percentage of that's going to be people just inquiring about additional information or checking and confirming on their jobs. But the ones that are just actually calling, they already know who we are. So we know that we can land that sell every time. What? How, how do you teach them to to react when they hear the um, the um, can you do this for question? So can you do this for for a hundred? Can you do this for? How how do you respond? First thing I think we've done is we've put uh, processes in place to where we've quantified or clarified a customer before they've called us. They see our pricing on our website. They see our flyers. They see our documentation. So if they're thinking that they're going to get a bouquet of 90 balloons for $2, they already know by looking at this information on our website and other places that that's probably not going to happen. The few times it does happen where someone doesn't understand pricing as far as balloons, we don't sit there and... Um, 
look at that as an obstacle. It's just an opportunity to clarify what that customer is really ultimately trying to achieve, which more times than not, customers are trying to achieve an emotion, a moment, an effect. They're not trying to achieve a quantity of balloons. So we give them alternatives that fit within their budget. In your, in your class, you talk about uh, on sales, you talk about how you use silent and being quiet and listening in order to help the sales process. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think, again, when you, when you look at a mother that's wanting to have a party for their kid, they have an understanding of what they're trying to achieve. So when you talk to those people in verses trying to worry more about who I am and let and trying to convince them that I'm the professional again remember they called me so the, automatically they already assume I'm a professional I don't have to clarify that conversation so when I'm talking to them I'm talking about their event I'm trying to understand what they're trying to achieve and I can only do that by listening to what they say so when they talk I listen to the words they use I listen to the conversations of what they're trying to create and the areas that are important to them and then I use that same conversation when I go back and talk back with them I use I, I emphasize the areas that I think would work best for them and I also use the wording so if they use words like spectacular fantastic you know awe-inspiring I'll repair it those words when I'm talking back to them And you really can't know what are those words if you're not listening to, to begin with. Correct. If you're not listening to your client, you're not going to ever understand what they want. And there in everybody, some people say, what if a client doesn't know what they want? They clearly know something because they called you. Do you teach your, your sales people that help you with sales to also try to upsell? Is that something that is important in your business? I think... I think the thing is, is I would rather have a client call me three or four times a year than try to upsell them and get them to a part where they're uncomfortable. It's more important to have a happy customer and service their needs and allow them to have the pleasure of wanting to use you again than to sit there and make every moment just a special moment. We are called balloons every day. And the truth of it is I can do anything from big galas to just because. And I would rather someone think of me as a just because order than to sit there and say, oh, I'd like to send somebody a bouquet, let them know I'm thinking about them. But the balloon people are just too expensive. So we don't really worry about upselling. We worry more about taking care of our customers. More times than not, even when a customer gives us a budget, because of the way we present the conversation and the, and the excitement we have about balloons, they typically are always over their budget to begin with. So what would you do then if a customer says, oh, but this is what I want, I want this arch, and I have another uh, offer for, for, for less money. So what would you react? Actually, I had that conversation with the office this morning, right before this interview. Uh, we have a longtime customer who used us several times throughout the last 19 years. Um, they're very, at times they become very price conscious and they tell us that we're getting other bids and we say, you know, we're not going to be the cheapest, but you, we, you also know we are going to take care of you. We will show up, we'll be no stress to you and we'll take care of what you need. If you find somebody that's going to fit your budget better, feel free to use them. Let us know if we can help you in the future. They disappear every so often, but because most balloon people are so cheap, they're not profitable, they're not in business very long, 
customers come back. So you really care on the lifetime value of a customer and the longevity of your business, basically. Yeah. I don't think anybody got into balloons for do the short term. Nobody gets into balloons to do it for a, a week, a month, a year. We all want to do balloons for as long as we can. It's a joy to do balloons. It's a joy to walk into a space and transform it, to see the joy on customers' faces, to remember that those moments they're about to experience when they're celebrating their kid's 13th birthday or their wedding or any of those events, I'm helping them create those memories. When they look at those pictures in the years to come, my balloons will be in that family's photo album. Yeah. Do you have any plans for the future for Balloons Every Day that uh, you can share with us? Overall, I think Balloons Every Day has a bigger picture of trying to be uh, one of the bigger balloon companies. I'd love to be across the country. I'd love to share. I'd love to teach. Um, I think that my journey, even after 19 years in this incredible industry, is just starting. And I'm so excited to see what, what the path will be, where God will put me in another 5-10 years. That will be very interesting to see that as well uh, for us. And um, I would like to thank you in the name of Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, uh, your um, hard work and the dedication and persistence to serving uh, so many people is just one more milestone in the overall journey of increasing balloon awareness. So I'd like to thank you and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be interested to see where, where balloons every day go to. Uh, th thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. There is so much you can take from this interview that my mind is literally exploding. David Mahoney is so consistent with building his business, with knowing how to serve his customers, with creating really awesome products and services that you really just, you know, need to take the inspiration of going back to your skills, improving your skills, improving your services, and basically, you know, trusting yourself on your way, on your journey, because if your products and services will be that good, then, and you keep pushing, and you keep marketing, and you keep bringing yourself to be in front of people, then you will be able to grow. That's really just very inspiring to see David Mahoney and to learn how he changed uh, his business name. Very smart move, I might uh, say. And uh, just uh, so, my, so many golden nuggets. I hope you've enjoyed David Mahoney in his interview here for the Balloon Artist Podcast. I'm really excited about launching the clowning and comedy one-on-one -on -one course. This course doesn't bring you from you know from zero to 100 miles per hour uh, in the world of clowning and comedy no this is an introductory course this is a course that will help you learn how to be funny without trying to be funny by you know being naive and knowing what works for you what is the clown within you and by enjoying by expressing pleasure and by keeping the the relationship of do you love me do i love you do you hate me do you do i hate you and so on all kinds of principles that are taught in the course by uri weiss who is a master of clowning and comedy and street performances that course is something that 
I already have in the beta group about 30 people that have been enjoying the content so much. I've been enjoying the content so much during the preparation of this course that I have to tell you this is a real candy. I am going to launch this course at the beginning of June. I'm really excited about it. At the beginning of June, you will get an email that will allow you to join the course on a special, special pricing. Um, I hope uh, you've enjoyed the Balloon Artist podcast. There's so many things that I do right now. I'm working on, on a job cost form feature for the balloon stock up and from, for Brody's balloon stock up. I'm building up the clowning and comedy one-on-one course in addition to a balloon upsell course, which we launch in the middle of June. And I'm also, you know, preparing myself for the launch of MAPC the Modern Automated Balloon Business Course, which launches officially at the end of June. And that, uh, that course, it's more like a program, uh, will actually um, start around August or September, according to the needs of the new MAPKIs, the people that join MAPK. Uh, the Modern Automated Balloon Business Course has only 10 seats. Five of them are already taken. So in case you're interested in building your business together with me, you might want to already hurry up and contact me. Officially, the launch will only happen at the end of June. So thank you for your time today and see you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Or in case you are in the loop, I will see you in George, the free mini course that happens every week on uh, Mondays and Tuesdays usually. Next week it will be on Monday and Tuesday my time. So if you need more information about how to join the free course George you can uh, contact me on Facebook in the Balloon Artist Facebook group. See you soon guys. This show is sponsored by Brody's Balloons. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 4, Chapter 10. And I want to continue with the tips about line work or about the death of the line work, as I've mentioned before in my mini-course, George, and also on the podcast. I mentioned how you can take a challenge game and basically challenge the kids with a different game every time and every r- roughly five minutes give one winner kid uh, a balloon sculpture and then you go on again and again. I want to give you a small tip about a reverse challenge. So you add some some plot to like, like, like a turn of a plot inside your games where you suddenly say, okay, this time it's not me that gives you the challenge, it's you are going to watch me face a challenge. So in my case, what I did was I'm going to make Elsa in four minutes. And I know that that's exactly what I need. Like I need four minutes for a a really nice Elsa. I told the more mature kid that had a phone to measure up the time and to count the time every 30 seconds, so it will create tension. And also, in the last 30 seconds, I told them everyone count, and everyone were counting 30, 29, 28, and I'm like, 
speed twisting to create the Elsa in four minutes. And I did it just on time and everybody applauded and were happy. So suddenly, you know, just because they were under the pressure of challenges and then I reversed it so that the challenge is on me, that was much, much, much more interesting than in general when you come and you say, oh, look, I can do it in four minutes, you should count. So by making it authentic, by making it in the moment that made uh, the, the entertainment value uh, much more significant. And by the way, I wouldn't have thought about doing that if it wasn't for the clowning and comedy one-on-one course, which is launching in the beginning of June. So I hope you experiment with the challenge game. Uh, you can call it the Zivikivi challenge game or just the challenge game, which is an evolution on top of great thinkers like Patrick Van de Ven and Mark Byrne and Mark Verge and John Watkins and Guy Schaefer, a lot of good friends that all inspired me in their own way to come up with another way to do the line work, which is the challenge game. So thank you for listening to the Balloon Artist podcast, guys. I will see you next week in the Balloon Artist podcast.